Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. All right. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, thank you for your sovereignty and your grace, um, your loving kindness and your compassion. We pray that uh, you would manifest, um, that you would speak uh, through me, O God, through your word, uh, that it would go out to the ends of the earth and encourage your community, O God, build up um, your congregation, and in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So this morning, I'd like to discuss something that I think all of us will find relevant and timely. Reasons why I think that Count von Count, a.k.a. the Count from Sesame Street, is Jewish. We have a picture here. If you don't remember who that is, this is the Count, okay? And he's got the number seven there. That might show up a little bit later. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've narrowed it down to three main reasons why I think that the Count is Jewish. Reason number one. No? Wow. Really? You're going to go for the schnoz right away? Wow. Okay, you want to come up here and do this? (laughs) Okay, reason number one, I'm going to go with the accent. Okay, it sounds a little Yiddish to me, right? What's with the talking like this, right? And the inflections and the gesticulating and the, you know, okay. Uh, Reason number two, he's kind of a nebishy, if you think about it, right? He's always hunched over, you know, very single-minded, probably had a nice mother who always did math with him growing up, right? And this leads us to reason number three, no, not the schnoz, but he loves numbers, right? And numbers are very important in the Bible and, of course, the Jewish calendar. And I think that the count would absolutely love counting the Omer. Don't you think so? Yeah. For example, he would probably say, today is day 14 of the Omer. Ah, ah, ah. Right? That makes two weeks and zero days. You know, speaking of numbers, I thought we could focus uh, on some important numbers in the scriptures um, because they bring about various themes that are important. That is, the biblical authors put in these numbers in the text to give us a sense of their meaning and to, to allow us to make connections um, between different parts of the scriptural narrative. Numbers, of course, they also give us uh, dates and times in the Hebrew calendar. You see, part of living out a Messianic Jewish lifestyle is understanding the season that we're presently in, right? And Hashem has given us a calendar to orient us, to ground us, to give us direction so we know where we are in the year. In my conversations with Reverend Dan of Redeemer Anglican, of course, the church that that meets here, he has shared with me that the Anglican church calendar orients his community around the life of Yeshua 
For example, the Christmas season, of course, points toward the birth of Yeshua, and the Easter season that they are in right now points to the death and resurrection of Yeshua. As a Messianic Jewish community, we are oriented around the life of Israel and how Yeshua fulfills that calendar. So we have both, which is kind of neat. And as we will see, it's all about the calendar and the numbers. Ah, ah, ah. Okay? So just like on Sesame Street, today's lesson is brought to you by three very special numbers. You know, do you notice that? They used to have sponsors with the numbers and letters. So today's uh, lesson is brought to you by three numbers, 40, 7, and 49, and also by the letter to the Romans. Okay, so you thought I was going to say an alphabet letter, didn't you? Yeah, that was good. All right, so let's begin with our first number, the number 40, or as my dad might say, Fadi right? Because he's from Boston. Okay, so the first instance of the number 40 is the flood during Noah's time. Genesis 7 verse 4 tells us this, in seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I will wipe out every living thing that I have made from the face of the earth. Whew, pretty rough, right? So this first 40, we're starting to see what? There's some judgment here, there's cleansing, but there is salvation for the righteous, such as Noah, because he's in the giant boat, okay? Another important 40 has to do when we enter the land. Of course, we spent how long wandering in the desert? 40 years. That was because of our unbelief and our disobedience. But why? Why 40 years exactly, aside from that being a significant number in the Bible, right? The answer lies in the reason we couldn't enter in the first place. Remember, there were 12 spies that were sent to search out the land to see if it was suitable. And Joshua and Caleb, they came back with glowing reports, right? Oh, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. We got to get in there, guys. And the other 10 spies... They were not all about that life, right? They saw a land with giants that would crush them like little grasshoppers. Whew, no good. So the answer to this question of why 40 years is, is actually found in the Count's favorite book of the Bible. Can you guess what book that is? Yes, the book of Numbers. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, so Numbers 14, verse 34, reads this. For... 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Whew. Also rough. But notice they had to wander for 40 years because they had spent 40 days spying out the land and they did not trust God. So what do we have so far? We have 40 days of rain for the flood, 40 years of wandering. This is a number of testing, of trials. Think of 40 days cooped up with all kinds of smelly animals on a ship surrounded by water as far as the eye can see. Or think of 40 years of wandering in the desert just, just outside of the promised land. The testing 
comes from Hashem, mostly as a result of our disobedience or lack of trusting God. Humanity's turning away from God's goodness, it results in trials. But the trial is always meant to draw us back. The book of Deuteronomy, in some ways, was Moses' last sermon before the Israelites entered the promised land. So here, Moses puts the 40 years of wandering into a beautiful perspective, and this is what he says about it in Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 5. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God or the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. So the theme of testing here is meant to be a way for God to discipline his children, to teach them. Unfortunately, we don't always get the lesson, right? Another 40 that is sometimes overlooked is the 40 days that, that Moses spent with God on the mountain when he received the Torah. This is in Exodus 24, 18. Moshe entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and he was on the mountain 40 days and nights. Now, if you've been reading along in the biblical narrative and you come to this, what are you thinking? Uh-oh right? There's a 40 there. That means there's probably going to be some sort of trial, right? We're in for it now, okay? And that's what the biblical authors want us to do. They want us to make these connections. So while Moses was on the mountain getting the laws, right, and the dimensions for the tabernacle and all that stuff, down below, the Israelites had ants in their pants, right? They were getting restless, So Exodus 32, verses 1 through 4, tells us what what happened during those 40 days. When the people saw that Moshe was taking a long time to come down from the mountain, maybe he's not going to come back, they gathered around Aharon and said to him, get busy and make us gods to go ahead of us, because this, this Moshe, the man that brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. He just went up the mountain. I mean, he's going to come back, right? Okay. I guess we're, we're not so patient. Aharon said to them, Have your wives, sons, and daughters strip off their gold earrings and bring them to me. The people stripped off their gold earrings and brought them to Aharon. He received what they gave him, melted it down, and made it into the shape of a calf. They said, Israel, here is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Ooh, no good, right? So to sum up, in each of the 40s that we have here, the redeeming figure is faithful. Think about Noah and Joshua and Moses. They were all faithful. But the majority of Israel is not faithful. 
And this is a time of hard testing and trials. It does not really produce faithfulness in all of Israel. And this is the human problem, the human problem of sin. As a human race, our rebellion against God's love, it brought 40 days of flooding, right? We did not trust God's love to protect us when we entered the promised land, so we wandered for 40 years. We couldn't wait for Moses to spend 40 days with Hashem, so we turned to the holy cow. I think that was the first uh, example of that, right? To To the idol. And we let a golden calf be our object of worship and adoration. And then we come to the narrative of Yeshua, who, of course, as always, transforms and renews this number and gives it a totally different meaning that is fresh and exciting. So first, Yeshua spends how long in the wilderness? Forty days, yes, near the beginning of his ministry, walking out the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness. But Yeshua, the promised one of the Scriptures, He is able to be faithful in the trial. He is the redeeming figure like Moses or Noah. They were shadows of this this Yeshua. But also, He represents all of Israel, who was before they were not able to be faithful. Now, through Yeshua, they are. You can think of Him as... The Israelite who did it right. Yeah. What's his name? Yeshua. You got it. The adversary comes to tempt him in the wilderness, but Yeshua resists by quoting Scripture. He actually quotes something I read earlier. He does not fall into the trap that humanity and Israel always fell into. So let's check out what happens. This is in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Then the Spirit led Yeshua up into the wilderness to be tempted. There's the temptation, the trial, right? That comes with the 40s by the adversary. After Yeshua had fasted 40 days and nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, order these stones to become bread. But he answered, The Tanakh says, that is, the Scriptures, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. Of course, from Deuteronomy that we read earlier. Then the adversary took him to the holy city and set him up on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, jump. For the Tanakh says he will order his angels to be responsible for you. They will support you with their hands so that you will not hurt your feet on the stones. So even the adversary can twist the truth, into a lie. Very sneaky. But Yeshua replied to him, but it also says, do not put Adonai, your God, to the test. Once more, the adversary took him up to the summit of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory, and said to him, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Away with you, Satan, Yeshua told him. For the Tanakh says, again, quoting the scripture, Worship Adonai your God and serve him only. Then the adversary let him alone, and angels came and took care of him. And of course, then he started his ministry on earth. All the trappings and trials that Israel went through, Yeshua went through all of them. But remember, he's the Israelite who did it right. Yeshua was the faithful remnant of Israel. 
and also is the faithful remnant of Israel. In the wilderness, he relies on God's word and not material things that you can see like bread. Yeshua does not put his father to the test. The context here being um, Israel's lack of trust when they left Egypt and they were arguing with Moses. That's uh, what that quote comes from. Yeshua does not bow down to the adversary, which is a callback to when the Israelites worshipped the golden calf, right? It's a reversal of Israel's choices throughout their story. It is 40 days of testing in which Israel is now faithful, but only through Yeshua. Not this summer, but the next year, 2019, is going to be the 40th anniversary of the UMJC conference. And already, plans are getting started to have a huge bash. This milestone is not lost on the planning committee, which Sonia and I are blessed to actually be a part of. So we're kind of planning what's, uh, what's going to happen. And we're already planning for it this year, well ahead of time, even though the next one to come is 2018, of course, this summer, right? So what I think you should do is grab those bell bottoms out of your closet, dust off your Walkman, because we're going to party like it's 1979. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the theme that I'm rooting for, okay? So, you know, may it be according to God's will, I don't know. You know, speaking of callbacks, the season we're now in is, of course, the counting of the Omer. There's another 40 there. Acts 1 verse 3 tells us this. After Yeshua's death, he showed himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive during a period of... 40 days. They saw him, and he spoke with them about the kingdom of God. Remember, we're now in between Passover and Shavuot, between the resurrection and Pentecost. Yeshua spent 40 days after being raised from the dead, continuing to do ministry, right? Not even death could slow him down. These 40 days, they're a complete reversal of the 40s we've seen. The faithful one, Yeshua, he has conquered death, which is the consequence of our rebellion against God, and Yeshua brings life and hope and the kingdom of God during this 40-day period. But I know what you're thinking. David, I thought that the counting of the Omer was seven times seven, or 49, where we celebrate Shavuot on the 50th day after the Passover, and the resurrection. Well, you're right, and this leads us to our last two numbers, 7 and 49 slash 50. Can I put those together? Is that okay? 49 slash 50? They're practically the same. Okay. You see, this is all leading up to Shavuot in Acts 2, which is where, remember, the fullness of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is poured out 10 days later after Yeshua ascends into heaven. So, resurrection, right? Passover, 40 days of Yeshua's ministry. Then he's taken up, and then there's, how long? 10 more days, right? And then Shavuot, or Pentecost. Sevens, sevens. Sevens are very important in Scripture, beginning with the first seven, which is uh, the days of creation culminating in Shabbat. 
Seven is the number of completeness, of wholeness. The Hebrew word for seven is sheva. It actually means oath or promise because there is completeness in a promise. Recently, I officiated a wedding here. We have the groom here in the back, right? And uh, I was standing, yeah, amen, right? And uh, I remember uh, the, the bride came up and she circled the groom how many times? Seven times, right? Because she is giving herself completely to him and he's giving himself completely to her. God designed the calendar for us to count sevens from Passover to Shavuot because it is the fullness, it is the completion of something. Traditionally, this points toward the giving of the Torah on Shavuot. And historically, we know from the Bible, it points toward the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is the personal life force of God. The Ruach empowers us to live lives of resurrection, radical love for God, the reversal of sin and death. Yeshua left us an advocate to live lives of resurrection hope after 49 days, seven times seven. Now, I think I know why the count went ah, ah, ah after counting. Why did he do that? If he was indeed Jewish, like my theory states, he was counting the Omer, right? And at the end, the count was filled with joy and hope of the Ruach, so that when he got to 49, seven perfect sevens, he went, ah, 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 right? Full of joy. As we count up the days to Shavuot with the counting of the Omer, my hope is that you too will be filled with the Ruach more and more. As Paul writes in the letter to the Romans, remember, that's today's sponsor, chapter 15, verse 13, may God, the source of hope, fill you completely with joy and shalom as you continue trusting so that by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, you may overflow with hope. Amen. Amen. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you for the season that you have us in, a season of resurrection and pointing toward uh, the fullness of your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray that you would uh, empower us to live lives of holiness, of righteousness um, by your Ruach, and uh, that we would um, reverse the tide uh, along with Yeshua, uh, the, the King who reversed the curse of sin and death for us so that we can have resurrection life in you, O oh God. And we thank you that he fulfilled all of these narratives and all of these numbers in, in the text, O oh God, and um, brought them to their fullness and their culmination. And the, the trials of 40 and the, and the completeness of seven is found um, full and complete in Yeshua the Messiah. And, uh, and in his name we pray. Amen.